If you're still deciding on your spring break getaway, Amtrak's got just the ticket. You can visit cities from D.C. and Philly to New York and Boston, all while enjoying more sustainable travel. Amtrak produces up to 83% less carbon emissions than traveling by car or plane. And did we mention the extra legroom and comfy seats? Book early and save at Amtrak.com. Click or tap the banner. Emissions comparisons vary depending on route and locomotive type. Restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Welcome back to Dragon the Dead, the only show that aims to speak ill of the dead. I'm Tim, back here with Lance and Jen. What's up, you legends? What is going on? So so happy to be here because I've had a lot of pent-up rage lately, and a lot of it uh, maybe subconsciously has to do with some of these people that we've spoken about on the previous episodes, and every time I discover a new person... I feel like some of that rage uh, is let out a little bit. So I feel like it's a healthy way to release. Anyway, how are you, Jen? I'm doing well. I would say it's a well-placed rage instead of a misplaced rage. Right. Do you both have someone that you really want to use for this show, but they're not dead yet, and you find yourself rooting for their death? Yeah, definitely. But I, I hesitate to keep a list, as that might be used against me in a court of law. That's a good point. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. I could rattle off 24 of them right now. <laughs> the premise of this show is obviously we're, we're speaking ill of the dead, and I don't know who Jen and Lance have brought in. Lance doesn't know who I've brought in or Jen's brought in. Jen doesn't know who I've brought in and Lance has brought in. It's crazy like that. Yeah, we pretty much operate off of Bing. So we do the uh, research on our own. We bring this person to the table ready to roast, ready to cut open, to, to carve up. And our co-hosts, uh, they only have to operate off of what they might know on the spot or what they are researching uh, also right there on the spot. It's a game of wits. <laughs> a game of wits. And I see you both have come unarmed. That's <laughs> <laughs> Shakespeare. Well, she, what does Shakespeare know? Plagiarized everything anyway. <laughs> Let's get right into this. Jen, you're up first. Who you got? Okay. This person is an American entrepreneur, and they were obsessed with Swampland. I'll take your guesses now. Wow. Wow, that leaves me with nothing. I'm not, my hands are up. I'm not binging yet. I'm, I'm going to try to use my wits. Yeah, I'm, I'm binging already, and I, and I got nothing. I don't know. I don't know what we're talking about yet. 
Well, I needed, yeah, I needed to make this one a little bit more difficult because it's been way too easy. This is true. Okay, what was the purpose of the Swampland? To build a pond. To build a, did you say a pond or to build a <laughs> pond? Yeah, he, <laughs> he drained the swamp to then put another pond in the swamp. <laughs> what a maniac. <laughs> to build a pond. Like developments, like homes? I wouldn't say homes, but yes, developments of some sort. My goodness, I, I think I'm stumped. He was very fastidious. Oh, there you go. I gave his gender. Okay, so he, you pulled out a word that's got more than two syllables, so that's, I'm already gone, like lost on this one. Fastidious. I think that meant he could run fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got no guesses so far. He was in the business of cartoons. Is it Walt Disney? Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now we're talking. Okay. Walt Disney. Oh, no. Walt Disney, the, the, the shaper of children's imaginations worldwide for a lifetime. Yes, he did shape children's imaginations. I would argue not for the better. This guy was such an asshole. I will... Start first with my most major grievance against Walt Disney. He was a terrible misogynist, just across the board. He, first of all, propagated these films in which um, Disney princesses would do absolutely nothing and then wait for a man to come save them, teaching young women across the generations that they needed to be saved by a man. And I disagree with this wholeheartedly. But I have another more concrete example. So this female illustrator in the 1950s um, applied for a job at Disney Studios. And Walt wrote back personally. He didn't have a secretary do it or anything. Personally, he wrote back, quote, Women do not do any of the creative work in connection with preparing the cartoons for the screen, as that task is performed entirely by young men. For this reason, girls are not considered for the training school. That's just a fact. That's factual back then. What are you going to do? You going to you, you going to yell at every journalist too? Reporting facts? Um what? I feel like this was a very early on establishment of of gender. I and and God bless him. Yeah, I'm only saying that was a fact at his office. You know what I mean? Like I don't know if we don't we don't know if he's the one who put those rules in place. I'm just saying he was reporting the facts back to that person. May I ask whose name is on the business's front door? Whose studio was this? This was the Walt Disney. This was this was Disney's studios. He was the head honcho. He was the guy who could have changed things. I would say he did change things. You have these very motivated women who want the, the, the right to do this and the right to do that, but where does that leave the men? Starving, tired, from working all day, hungry because no one's there any longer, cooking their dinners. I don't want this to get into like you know a fight about gender equality or anything, but let's, let's think about this uh, movie called Sleeping Beauty for a minute can anyone tell me the premise classic there's a dragon there's a princess and a castle and a hero uh in uh, a knight in shining armor what's the premise though like tell me well there's the princess that's trapped in the castle and the knight saves her from the dragon and the witch or whatever all right what's what's the princess doing in this castle she's i can tell you what she's not doing she's not registering to vote <laughs> thankfully yeah because it was illegal uh, she would be asleep, Jen. She would be asleep. 
and some man comes and kisses her. Walt Disney was writing a rape fantasy. A rape fantasy? Yep. It's a starting off point for a company. What are you, you going to fault him for telling a weird story? Sure, it's a weird story. It was also like the 30s. They're all weird stories. Most of my relationships start off like that. <laughs> <laughs> As rape fantasies? Yeah, just a, a quick a quick peck on the lips to my sleeping um, potential bride. <laughs> uh, th- th- this is just one end of the spectrum. I mean, I don't know if you've seen uh, Disney movies today, but they've come full circle. Yeah, because he's dead. Women are the heroes now, and uh, and the men are just the lazy lumps doing nothing. And uh, Disney's very self-aware. Um, so maybe, yes, because he's dead, but he also got us to this point. He didn't. He's been dead for a while. I'll pivot slightly. This is still about the content of the stories that he made. But in 1946, um, Walt Disney Studios made a movie called Song of the South, was, which was a live-action animation film that was set on a Reconstructionist plantation. That was just horribly, terribly racist. It was so racist, in fact, that Disney never even released it because of the controversy. And this was in 46. Like, if people in 1946 were like, Disney, this is too racist. Can you imagine how racist that is? Again, all I'm saying is that the man was a product of his times and was simply establishing the boundaries between gender, race, probably sexuality, and really setting forward the plan to bring this great country to greatness. Yeah, I mean, you can't blame him for every every story twist uh, that that happened under his uh, his umbrella. You know, he didn't write this movie, he didn't direct it, he produced it. He probably showed up once or twice and uh, you know showed face and then took off. Right? Good, good, good on him for not releasing it, for recognizing uh, how racist it was. Yeah, I guess that is a point in his favor. He did listen to public opinion. I mean, a lot of my gripes against him are because he's like an affront against the liberal sensibility. He hated communism. When his workers tried to unionize, he said it was a communist front. (laughs) (laughs) Accurate. Would not let them unionize. McCarthy era was uh, very, uh, very paranoid era, I think, in Hollywood. So uh, a lot of people point the finger at each other. Indeed. Indeed. And, but Disney was notoriously hard to work for. He fired employees at the drop of a hat. And in fact, his paychecks were always late or never even came at all. He was sued multiple times for lack of payment. Well, I mean, people really should have worked for him pro bono. I mean, this is a genius. This is a revolutionary. I mean, they should, they're lucky they got anything. That's right. For the exposure alone. I mean, gosh, I mean, that was our first offer from uh, Oxygen Network. They were like, <laughs> you know, you you guys should be thanking us. You should- <laughs> I was going to say, spoken like true entertainment industry professionals. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, Oxygen. <laughs> I'm just going through some of um, binging some of Walt Disney's early cartoons, and I don't know where you're getting this uh, whole racist thing, Jet. You really, it's a real stretch here. He did have the Hitler mustache. I'll give you that. He did. Speaking of Hitler, (laughs) though never explicitly stating support for the Nazi party, Walt attended more than one pro-Nazi meetings. Uh, Market research, maybe? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. He was getting ready for a takedown piece, a movie. 
a movie on uh, how how evil white supremacy is. I don't think so. I think that maybe it was during his making of Song of the South in which he decided to go to the pro-Nazi meeting. And you're probably right, Lance. It was market research. He wanted to figure out how to tap into that racist, anti-Semitic demographic. You know, I call that gonzo journalism. A real revolutionary. Walt Disney wasn't a journalist. That's how good he was. And last but certainly not least, Walt Disney, I will say, earned more Oscar wins and nominations than anybody else in history. But you guys can appreciate, because we've made films before, how many people go into making films, especially animations. He rarely gave credit to any of his collaborators when receiving these awards. He was like, thank you, I did it all myself. Dick. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, I, I say, have at it. The man revolutionized entertainment. He revolutionized gender equality, racial equality. <laughs> real man of his times. Again, revolutionary. How is he a revolutionary if it was just status quo? Like if that was how the world was? He can't be both revolutionary and keep the same misogyny and bigotry that was in place during those times. Don't try to ask questions like that. yeah he revolutionized entertainment and animation uh films uh jen Mm. so did lenny riefenstahl really hard for me to uh defend walt disney by the way okay my person is an american a former politician and lawyer i'll stop there abe lincoln not abe lincoln were they ever president not ever president, but basically the American royal family. Ooh, JFK. How dare you? You think I'm going to drag JFK? All right, Bobby Kennedy. I'm not going to drag Bobby Kennedy. Well, this person died in 2009, was a senator from the great commonwealth of Massachusetts for many, many years in the Democratic Party. Is it Ted Kennedy? Edward Moore, Ted Kennedy. How dare you? You know, I agree. I agree. And that's, I, you know, I'm not going to use JFK because he is royalty in, this, in these parts, in these parts over here. Can't talk shit about him. But Ted Kennedy, eh, uh, we can get into because he basically left a woman to die. How dare you bring up Chappaquiddick? That was just a movie, Tim. Yes, it was a movie. Highly sensationalized movie. Yeah, fiction. Well, actually, no. No, it was based on uh, a lot of truth, uh, though I didn't see it, so I can't speak to how much truth. Uh, This was a real event that happened around midnight, Friday, July 18th, and Saturday, July 19th, 1969, in uh, Chappaquiddick, Lance, He was involved in a single car crash with a young lady, 28-year-old Mary Jo Kopechne, and Ted, old Teddy, Teddy Ballgame, he got out of the car. He drove it right into the water, and he got out fine. But Mary Jo, no. She died inside the vehicle, and Kennedy, well, he didn't actually even report uh, this incident until the next morning. I would say that he was a bit in shock. This man was 
really a, a pioneer in the Senate, and he had a, a very fine friendship with this wonderful uh, woman who worked for him. She was his secretary. She was part of a group called the the Boiler Room, and really the lifeblood behind what he was doing, and he was probably in serious shock having lost this fine employee. As far as Ted Kennedy's rescue attempts, well, you know what he did? He didn't dive into the into the pond. He didn't dive in and try to get her out of there. No, he just called her name from the shore. Well, I mean, what 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 more would you want this man to do? If you're underwater and you don't know which way is up, you need the voice of Ted Kennedy guiding you to the surface. Unfortunately, she just wasn't wasn't able to make it to the top of the lake or wherever the fuck they were. Was it a lake or the sea? I think it was a pond. It was a pond. Ted Kennedy didn't even report this incident until after she was found. You know what he did, though? He went back to the party that they were all at. He got two of his buddies, and they went uh, over there, and they they saw the car, and they might have gave it an attempt or two, and then Ted jumped in the water and swam back to his hotel room and went to sleep. Well, we do know that the Kennedys are no strangers to tragedy, right? They were like the cursed family. I just found a very succinct paragraph here about the tragedies that ted kennedy sustained i mean john obviously his brother and robert his brother died uh, but his brother joe jr was killed during world war ii his sister kathleen died in a plane crash in 48 and then his nephew john f kennedy jr died after crashing his plane into the atlantic and then there was another nephew david who died of a drug overdose in the 80s and then david's brother michael who died in a freak skiing accident so this man's life was surrounded by death. How is he not how is he supposed to react in a sane way to this Chappaquiddick incident? What a fine point you just made. I mean, this 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 poor man is just suffering at the hands of fate. He's suffering the the hand that was dealt to his family from from the the great beyond that that fickle mistress fate. Okay, I I get that. That those are all wonderful points, uh, both of you. Great points. Unfortunately, uh, one of the people who recovered Kopechne's body from the submerged car actually believed that she died from suffocation rather than drowning or from the impact of the overturned vehicle, based on an air pocket that was found in the car. Rigor Morris had already been apparent, and her hands were clasping the back seat. Her face turned upward. And so the people who investigated the crash actually thought she would have been able to get to that air pocket. I don't know. I just can't believe this guy actually went on to become a senator after this. Not only went on to be a senator, Tim, he went on to be a senator for nearly half a century. Yeah, I'm going to say that to be a senator that long, you kind of have to be an asshole. Great point, I think. (laughs) Man, I've been looking at pictures of Ted Kennedy. He certainly did not get the Kennedy term now did he <laughs> no well he got the hair at least and look at that jawline Whew. he definitely had some luck uh, escaping Johnny Law here uh, in this incident um, because actually a part-time deputy sheriff named Christopher Huck look he left work at around 1230 a.m. that Saturday morning as a gate guard in uniform for a dance and he returned to Chappaquiddick Island, and he saw Kennedy's car with Mary Jo Kopechne, most likely. And he actually had a couple, actually three 
three numbers or digits of the license plate. And it, it was basically confirmed that this would have been Kennedy's car uh, on that road, as Ted admitted to have being on that road as well. But the timing's really suspect. Because if the sighting is true, then Ted actually spent well over an hour with Mary Jo in the car before the accident. So, yeah, I mean, maybe he was just driving drunk like an a-hole or maybe uh, he was driving drunk, pulled down a dirt road, uh, tried to hook up with Mary Jo and something happened and then he got mad. I do believe that about five years earlier before this accident in Chappaquiddick, he actually broke his back in a plane crash. So maybe he just wasn't able to do anything physical to save her. That is a great point. This is a man who is responsible for so many laws passed. I'm just going to read a couple of them and, and then tell me if this one incident is is something that, that should sully, should put a, a, a dark stain on this man's legacy. The Immigration and Nationality Act of 1965, the National Cancer Act of 1971, the COBRA, Health Insurance Provision, the Comprehensive Anti-Apartheid Act of 1986, Americans with Disability Act of 1990. Shall I keep going? This man was a legend and really helped to move forward and pioneer the progressive movement in this country. You know what? You're absolutely right. And I will call him a visioneer. Really, he had amazing vision, which is so ironic that he didn't see any lights on during his 15-minute walk back to the party. I'm sorry, what's a visioneer? That's someone who has vision and ears, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I already put the picture of my guy behind me um, because you probably don't know who he is. Looks old. He does look old. He is the reason you all are, are sheeple. This is the man who is basically the father of sheeple. When you become a parent for the first time, how many vaccines do you give your child? All of them. 14 is recommended for your children. How many do you think this gentleman behind me, this gentleman, I'm sorry, this animal behind me has developed? 16. Zero? Eight. Eight of the 14 vaccines. Okay, what's the problem here? I, I mean, these, uh, these keep us safe. Okay. This is a scientist that most people don't know of. He's the father of the modern-day vaccine. Any guesses here? Mr. Vaccine. Dr. Vaccine. Maurice Hilliman. Maurice Hilliman. That is exactly right. This is the father of the sheeple. This is the man who is responsible for so many things in this world. I don't want to be told when I'm going to get a vaccine. I don't want to be told how to go about my life. This man has ripped away your personal freedoms. A true, a true maniac. Okay. I think I see where you're going with this one. <laughs> I just, I think you've picked a really difficult one for like this current era. Lance, to attack a vaccine developer. Let's, let's really unpack this. Let's get into this, Lance. You can say that this man single-handedly saved millions and millions of lives simply because he developed over 40 vaccines. Or you could say that this man contributed to the invention of Pornhub. What? I'm going to put this out there. This man, by determining that chlamydia was a bacterium and not a virus, as previously thought, and could now be treated with antibiotics 
He thus, in turn, encouraged the gross sexual proclivity that is directly responsible for Pornhub. <laughs> what are you talking about? How is this related to porn? A little bit of, of stretch there. How is it not related to porn? Now people just want to go and fornicate. Yeah. <laughs> That's why people want to have sex. <laughs> Without consequence because they... Oh my God. Because now they Pre-marital? know... <gasps> exactly. Now they know if they get chlamydia, hey, I'll just take an antibiotic. Done. Okay. <laughs> okay. So let, let's really unpack this. So Lance, you are against vaccines? I am against anything that infringes on my personal freedom. Okay. Ooh. So that would be masks too? If if Maurice Hilleman told me to wear a mask, I would tell him where to put that mask. <laughs> on his face. It would be the opposite of his face, Jen. <laughs> Okay, well, this is a very timely one. I see how you really put the ball in our court uh, on this one. <laughs> well, at least some percentage of this country will be behind you. I don't see how this is even a contest. I felt bad bringing him to the table. He's such a he's such a vile individual. <laughs> okay, uh, let, let's let's talk about Hilleman, Mister Mister Maurice Hilleman, who was uh, a wonderful. Uh, yeah, a doctor, a wonderful doctor. He was born in Montana in 1919. Yeah, a one, the the core, the breadbasket of this country. He understands how uh, Is it? how. <laughs> well, maybe they make bread there. <laughs> you know, he he was he had uh, a bunch of siblings too, which was uh, which was pretty amazing. Um, he was very very influential on them and uh and they were on him i'm sure yeah well he came from a severely broken home his his mother uh and father were divorced he had a stepfather and and that stepfather was the person who really encouraged him on this reckless journey this reckless scientific journey this this god ignoring journey of his to go ahead and and predict pandemics don't tell me that his prediction of the influenza pandemic in 1957 that came from Hong Kong was anything that benefited us. It really just put the entire country in this state of frenzy, this panic. If anything, he should have downplayed it. Mm, Cause we know how that worked this time around. Well, you know what? Maybe a little herd immunity is what everyone needs. Exactly. That's why you have vaccines. Herd immunity. And I don't want to hear stories about how he was the first person to discover that viruses can actually go through a change, this change, this uh, antigen change. I don't want to hear about this because it's completely irrelevant. The, the, the energy that he could have been putting into something like, I don't know, teaching his children how to go to church or maybe sitting <laughs> down and watching a, a Walt Disney film, you know, really just becoming the american dream instead this guy's a disruptor and really needed to be silenced he actually developed more than 40 vaccines for human and animal health he was a lover of animals well even your uh, your boy ronald reagan loved him he uh, presented him with the national medal of science the uh, the nation's highest scientific honor back when uh, the leaders of this country actually believed in science that's because the, all of those people on the left, all of those leftists were pressuring Reagan to recognize somebody. So they took someone who was completely discredited and gave him a medal. Wow. 
Hill- Hilleman was also a very profane man, and I don't mean that he was profane in what he did. I mean, he, he used a lot of profanity. And as you know, I am extremely, extremely offended by that. It is an affront to God. You've become very religious today, Lance. Well, you know, Bobby uh, Gallo, of course, um, Robert Gallo, co-discoverer of HIV, the virus that causes AIDS, of course, he one time said, and I quote, if I had to name a person who has done more for the benefit of human health with less recognition than anyone else, it would be Dr. I added the doctor. It would be Maurice Hilleman. Maurice should be recognized as the most successful vaccinologist in history. End quote. Basically saying STFU, Lance. Well, you you guys can have your way with this, but you know what? I'm not one of the sheeple. I'm not one of the people who will just go and fall in line and get that needle in my arm. Who knows what's in there? I mean, he basically was was inventing a way to, to trace you, to track you, your every step. He basically invented Facebook. <laughs> well, I only hope everyone listening understands how crazy you sound right now. <laughs> you know, when you first said sheeple, I thought you were talking about the scientist who cloned Dolly the sheep. That would have been a good one. This guy, however, is beyond reproach. Oh, stop it with that. He, he was a, a tyrant in his labs. He would demand that the people who worked under him live up to some irrational expectation. He would fire people, Jen. <gasps> you guys fire me every day. And today, Jen, is no exception. Pack your stuff. <laughs>